Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. And I'll be reading the first 13 verses this morning from Proverbs chapter 4. It's amazing how how God's word interacts with our uh, worship services. You know, Father's Day, and here's some words um, that Solomon appears to be sharing from his father David. So, um, I you know I always I thought this section of Proverbs was written by Solomon, and it was. But here we get a neat glimpse of David's heart and what he had to say to Solomon, or at least it looks that way. So. Proverbs 4, 1 through 13. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, officially, good morning. Yeah, happy Father's Day. And um, though it is somewhat coincidental that we are doing this on Father's Day, actually I juggled next week's message and this week's message, and so doing Father's Day message next week because we would be on this passage and doing the portrait of wisdom this week, I decided to do the portrait of wisdom next and the propagation of wisdom today. So I, I have to admit a little bit of that, Chuck, okay? So, um, but I did think it was kind of neat. It was all playing out. So I wondered what I did wrong in the past to mess up God's timing on this. So I apologize for that. Um, anyways, so we have been studying the book of Proverbs. We, um, looking at it in a couple weeks ago, we spent two weeks on the very beginning first seven verses of the book of Proverbs to look at the precept, the principles, and then ultimately the purpose um, of this book, and I know I said those backwards because really, that's how it plays out. The precept is really the key to understanding all this, and that is the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of Yahweh, and so again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. You can go back and again re-listen to those if you really want to, but I think it's just something that we today miss out on. I am all for the grace of God, 
by faith, right? That's how it plays out. And yet, Paul, again, the preacher of grace, is the one who says, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, I persuade men. And so there is this balance of understanding the fear of God and the love of God. The love of God doesn't eradicate the fear of God. Until when? When does the fear of God, the, the love of God, really, if you would, overwhelm the fear of God? It's important. We talked about it last week. When does it happen? When you know him. When you know him. When you, when you know God and you grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then you begin to understand that no longer do you have to what? Fear him because of all that he has done for you. But if you don't know him, if you're walking in your sin and you're doing everything in and of yourself, then by all means, you need to what? Fear God. And the sad thing is, in our world today, there is no fear of God. They think they're okay. And I just honestly think somewhat that we as the church bear some responsibility in that teaching and eliminating the fear of God from our teaching that people don't feel like they've got to fear this God, that he's just a loving grandfather figure who winks and or turns a blind eye to our sins, and it's really okay because in the end, as long as you get there, it's all okay. And you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever. And I think that as a believer of all people, I mean, Peter says that, that judgment is going to start where? In the house of God. And if we know that, then of all people, it should be our desire to want to, to serve and please our loving Heavenly Father. So I just want to encourage you in that. And once you know that, then you see the principle, the wise desire, wisdom and understanding, but the fools are going to what? And so then, if you really want wisdom, then you're going to understand then the purpose of the book of Proverbs is to help a wisdom, understanding, discipline, discernment, righteousness, judgment, justice, uprightness, prudence, all those things. And so we don't want to be spending time in the world. Last week, then, we looked at the possession of wisdom. What does it mean, then, to, to possess wisdom? And we, we considered what these things will, what would bring out. And so, saw the council of Solomon as opposed to son. So this is going to run the same theme a little bit here. But it was the council of Solomon to his son, and his son was who? Anybody remember? Rehoboam. Okay, Rehoboam, Rehoboam. Okay, and so we'll bring this out in just a moment here. But to Rehoboam, but Rehoboam was also getting counsel from, from his peers, from sinners. And we see that fully play out after Solomon dies. And Rehoboam becomes the, the new king, right? And, and the people come to him and they say, hey, you know, listen, you need to lighten the load on us. Your dad was really heavy on us. And Rehoboam turns around and he, and he turns to wise counsel at first. He turns to the counselors of his father. And they say, listen, listen to the people and, you know, lower the taxing, lower the, the, all that, the work that's going, and they'll serve you. You serve them now, they'll serve you for all their life. He didn't like that a whole lot. Because, again, as we mentioned last week, we want to start where? where our parents ended up. We don't want to go back to the hovel that our mom and dad started with. We want to start off with the, the, the palace that they 
in our brains that they, that they had when we finally got out of high school, and we, that's where we want to start at. We don't want to have to go back to the starter home. And so that's, that's Rechavom. Rechavom didn't want to go backwards. He wanted to go forward. He wanted to continue, just keep it moving forward. So he said, I don't like that advice a whole lot. So he went to his peers and listened to the counsel of sinners, if you would. He played it out in his own life. And he goes back to the people and says, Nah, you thought my dad was hard? Where do you get a load of me? And that's what divided the nation. That's when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, took the, the ten tribes of what we call Israel, the northern tribes, and then they created the two golden calves and began the false worship of, of the north. Now, in that is a statement. In that is a statement that begs for us to, to just mention as we get into today's message, and that is on the propagation of wisdom. And that is that as Solomon was counseling his son to possess wisdom, he wasn't what? He wasn't living it himself. Turn back with me, if you would, to Deuteronomy. I was going to look at this in just a little bit, but we're going to play it out right now, because this is actually part of the counsel that he's going to get from David, passing down through Solomon. But in Deuteronomy chapter 17, Deuteronomy 17, this is way back in the days of Moses. You know, so this is part of Moses' teaching to the children of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. And there was one specific part here in Deuteronomy 17, beginning at verse 14, that comes specifically to the king. They didn't have a king. But God knew that when they entered the land that there would come a time when they wanted a a king. And so he addressed it. Isn't that kind of cool? Talking about, Chuck, when you're talking about how God kind of provides that, that information for us, you know, ahead of time, so I got God knew they were going to want a king. And so God already gave them information on how the king should act when, the, when, they, when they got the king. So verse 14, when you come into the land, which Yahweh your God is giving to you, and possess it and dwell it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around about me. And that's exactly what they said. You can read that in uh, Samuel. You shall surely set a king over you whom Yahweh your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For Yahweh has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. Also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to what? Fear God. Fear Yahweh as God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up among his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Sadly, get rid of Saul for a moment because Saul was God giving the people what they wanted. But David and Solomon were the first in my, I'm going to say first two real kings, okay? And I understand Saul was a king. But David was the, the, the king whom um, was the friend of God, right? And who loved God and God loved. And yet, <clears throat> David, the writer of all these psalms, Yahweh is my 
shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. He understood. David the shepherd understood who Yahweh is being his shepherd. Yet David, the shepherd king, did what? Committed adultery and murder. What did he do before he committed adultery? What did Deuteronomy 17 tell the kings not to do? Multiply what? No, multiply horses. Don't multiply horses, nor go to Egypt to multiply horses. Secondly, multiply wives. What did David do? He multiplied wives. We, we think about Solomon. Makes sense? We think about Solomon. But David did that. In fact, David was doing that with Bathsheba a little bit. It was adultery, right? But then he killed off Uriah and then turned around and married Bathsheba. And so for that, because that just really went across the line, God said there's going to be a consequence for that. And so Absalom, Absalom takes the, the harem of David and does what? Takes him up on the top of the roof, right? And he does the same thing. And then Solomon becomes king. And what does Solomon do? He continues on what his father had done, but now he takes it to the what? To the next level. And who was one of the first women that he then wound up marrying? Anybody know? The Egyptian. <laughs> yeah, the, the daughter of Pharaoh. Okay. And do you know where Solomon got all his horses that he, that he turned around and, and, and sold and traded? Egypt. I mean, you read Deuteronomy 17, and you'll find a list of what you weren't supposed to do, but what Solomon did do. So now you're Rechaboam, and your dad is telling you, I mean, your dad, who is powerful, who's got all this money and got all the women in the world, flesh, 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 lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, it's all there, and you're a young man, and your dad's telling you what? Don't, don't, don't have the pleasure that I've had. Now, I'm not saying that's right, but get it? As a young man, isn't that what you hear? And you say, yeah, Dad. So you get all the pleasure, and then in your old life you say what? Oh, I shouldn't have done all that. You don't do that either. And so what does Rechaboam do? He did what he saw his father do. He didn't listen to the counsel of his father. So it's a, a sad moment. So we want to today get into this this teaching, then, of Solomon that he shares um, in your right, Chuck, about being Father's Day, that it's, it's neat to me because it is this propagation that we would love to see, I think, in our homes if it actually worked out like it was taught. But sadly, we see a lot of it work out not necessarily how it's taught. Why? For the exact same reason. I'm not going to stand here and say I'm holier than thou to Solomon because, again, the same way. You know, I struggle when I see the sins of, nothing picking on any of my kids that are here, okay? When I see the sins of my kids, okay, because I realize that they got them where? From me. Does that make sense? I'm not going to shirk responsibility on that. I get it. I remember the first time when Jessica was just a knee-high to the grasshopper in the, in the car seat in the back of our Lynx. That goes way, way back, okay? And, and, and I did something smacking like towards someone who's driving in front of me, because you know how those people are that don't know how to drive. I mean, like everybody else but you knows, doesn't know how to drive. So I'm no different than you are. Anyways, and so I did one of these kind of thing. And from the back seat, I hear, Ch-ch-ch. 
And I went, oh, oh, this is awful. I wish I would have learned my lesson back then. Make sense? But how we're destined to repeat those things. So as we go into this passage today, I want to look at this as the concept of this propagation of the, the wisdom that um, Solomon was trying to put forth to his son that we, on this end of it, should listen to. Even though we understand that Solomon didn't live the perfect life, even though we understand that David didn't live the perfect life, yet this is God, we saw, remember, way back, a couple weeks ago, this is God speaking through Solomon and giving us his wisdom. So don't discount what is being taught because Solomon failed at living it out. Don't discount what's being taught because David failed at living it out. Rather, the, the, the bar is set. And so it is for us to desire to, to, to seek purity, to seek holiness, to seek righteousness, to seek to glorify God in everything we do. And so dads, clearly I'm talking to you. Boys, men, I'm talking to you because you will be future fathers hopefully one day. Maybe Jesus will come back today and we don't have to worry about any of that, right? But women, I'm talking to you too. Because the reality is the principles still apply about living out what we say we believe and, and then pursuing what it is that God desires for us. Now, before I get into it, I want to just um, point out to you some, some technical details here. This is kind of fun for me. Um, so on the literary side, um, as you read the book of Proverbs, you will note um, the, the use of doublets by Solomon um, to, to describe, um, give further details to um, different topics. And so they're used in a contrasting way or in a comparative way, um, binomial expressions, etc. Um, and we're going to see a lot of those today. Okay, There's going to be this, this and this, this and this, this and this going on. But also... In this passage, I mean, I don't know, again, whether you see it, but you've, if you've been here long enough, you know I like to color, color code the passage as I go through this. And yellow is kind of a hard thing to see from a distance, but if you can see it, there's a whole lot of yellow on there because those are all imperatives. An imperative is a command, okay? And um, if you can see it, the blue, the blue are all promises. We'll get there toward the end. It's kind of fun. There's a lot of blue there, isn't there? There's a lot of promises that are, that are put there. The green, the green is exhortations um, and such. And so... Um, but there are 13 commands, 13 commands in these 13 verses. This is not a desire. This is not just a, oh, I hope you get this. This is God saying what? Do this. This is what you need to do. If God would only be clear, if God would only say, do this, I'd do it. 13 commands, 13 imperatives in this passage as we go through. Okay? So, this is clearly something that's for us. The petition by, by Solomon right off the bat, okay, is to hear and to hearken. And we see this in verse 1 and 2, where he says, Hear, my children, the musar, the instruction of a father. Okay? Secondly, give what? Give attention. It can be translated, hearken. To know understanding. The idea is that you're going to actually um, put effort into knowing it. So here, uh, my son, the instruction, the musar of a father reminds me of um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to 
wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's kind of a fun little pairing as well that's there. Okay, It's kind of a Hebrew expression as, as Paul was writing there. But the nurture is the word paideia okay, in the Greek. But the word paideia links back to the word musar in, in the Hebrew. Paideia, so the word paideia, you see it used in the, in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 12. My son, do not despise the... Good, thanks, Jimmy. You're the only one bold enough to say it. Nobody else wants to admit that. Don't despise the chastening, the spanking of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he what? He chastens. And then it goes on and continues to talk about this chastening. Seven or eight times in, in Hebrews 12. Every one of those times, it's the word paideia, or the verb form of paideia. It's the musar, if you would, bringing it forward. And so the nurture in the admonition, nuthesia, okay? And so the nuos is your mind. The nuthesia is the, the training, the disciplining of the mind, okay? It's kind of the idea. And so there's this idea that as dads, it's our job to come in and to... to to correct and discipline and to train, if you would, the way our children think. Jesus' primary command, right, when he came on the earth, was the exact same as John the Baptist, was the exact same as the other prophets, and that was for us to what? Repent. What's the Greek word behind it? Metanoia. Metanoia means? Well, no, change the way you think. Don't do cyclical arguments with me. Anyways, so metanoia means change the way you think. That's our jobs as dads, to help our kids change the way they think. Because every single one of us here today have one thing in common. When you were born, you were born selfish. You were born a sinner. You were born self-centered, desiring to be self-pleasing, and you have got to be trained not to be that way. How sad it is in our, our country over the past generation since the 60s, the popular psychology has been for parents to do what? Say it again, Hunter. Not to spank their kids. Why? Let them express themselves. To build into, they wouldn't say it this way, but to build into their selfishness. Because your kids were born good. Innocent. They're, they're by nature, they're good. Do you realize that, that, that the world's thinking is totally opposite of God's thinking? God said you were born a what? Sinner. You weren't born good. You were born selfish. But the world wants to say, no, you were born good. It's only your environment that makes you that way. Let your kid express himself. All we've done is grown selfish monsters. We wonder why the world is the way the world is. Because we have spent an entire generation making sure they'd be that way. Because that's what our experts have told us. Our experts apart from God's word. But if we would just read the wisdom and understanding and knowledge and the discretion and the prudence that God has given us in his word. If you just read the book of Proverbs, you'd understand that, that actually spanking is a good thing. That rather, it is a lack of love if you withhold the rod from your child. So, 
Solomon cries out to Rehoboam, Hear, Shema, my son, the Musar of your father, and hearken, pay attention to what? To know. Not just to, to hear about, but to know, B'nai, understanding. To know it. Not just know about it, but to know it and to live it out. Nope, I had those up there. There you go. Secondly, is the pattern. The pattern. I'm moving quickly into the promises. That's where we want to focus. But verse 3 and 4, this pattern. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commands, and what? And live. Remember we said last week when we talked about the, the Ephesians 6, 1 to 3, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long. Okay, And so the concept is, again, that if you listen to the wisdom and instruction of your parents, that you will live a longer life. That's a generalized statement that's, that's essentially true. So he said, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and, and live. Um, I thought I had this here. And I'm, oh, I see it. First Kings. Turn back to First Kings 2. First Kings chapter 2. I'd like to, to look at then what David said to Solomon as David was about to die. And he brought Solomon in. First Kings 2, beginning of verse 1. First Kings 2, beginning of verse 1, says, Now the days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. Prove it. And keep the charge of Yahweh your God to walk in his ways, to keep, to guard, shamar. We've looked at that word as we've gone through Proverbs here as well. His statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimony, as is written where? In the law of Moses. What do you think he's talking about? Deuteronomy 17. That you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that Yahweh may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And so, so, so Solomon says to Rehoboam, Hey, listen, when, when, I was, when my dad was about to die, your grandfather, he said this to me, so that I'm now saying it to you. But Solomon didn't follow it. But it gives us the pattern by which we should continue on. That I'm going to ask you again at the end, dads. You're teaching your kids. What are you teaching them? What are you teaching them? Now, Ben, I appreciate your testimony. I don't know who your dad dad was, your real dad. But he had 12 years to inculcate into you, didn't he? He did. And I venture to say that probably some of who you are right now has some of your earthly father in you. And 
I'm a firm believer that most of who we are is inculcated within us within the first three to five years. That our parents train us in those impressions. When, when, when your database is empty, you know, when, when that hard drive is just totally, like, zeroed out and it's just going to start absorbing everything. Now, I know it wasn't totally zeroed out because I believe in those first nine months or however long, you know, you were in there if you were premium, maybe eight months or whatever, that while you were in the womb, your hard drive was already being filled up. Make sense? That's why when a kid comes out, they already know who their mom and dad are because it's already in the hard drive. But in those, those times, that hard drive of your brain is being, is being fed. The warehouse of your brain is being stocked with how it's supposed to think, how it's supposed to respond. And when things happen, what, how it should speak, how it should act. So dads, what are you inculcating? What are you teaching? What are you training your kids to think like? I remember being accused of brainwashing my kids. Guilty as charged. I'm good with that. People don't like the word brainwashing. I mean, in a sense, the concept is that you you washed out what was already there and you're putting something else in. Maybe that's true. I would still agree with that because my hopefully I'm washing out the self-centered, sinful nature of my kid to, to, to bring it in with godliness. But the reality is I'll stand guilty as charged that I am doing whatever I can to guide and direct how my kids think that as they get older, they will not walk from it. Does that make sense? I'll, 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 I'll stand that. Sadly, I probably have done that in too many worldly ways that I don't want to admit to later on. But what are we doing? Now, Ben, we have the opportunity to do what? Not inculcate into the lives of our children, but inculcate into the lives of our grandchildren. Now I have the opportunity to, to be able to, to do that. And so I have each... I think I've done this for each one of them. Maybe I'm wrong. But for the first time I held each one of my grandchildren, I sang Jesus paid it all to them. It's what I want them to know me by. In fact, it's so fun because Axel calls it Grandpa song. How does he know that? How does he know that? That's because when we were in a cabin up to watch the, the, the solar eclipse or whatever it was, it was the first time I got to hold him. I walked around the cabin singing, Jesus paid it all of them. And he knows the song now. Isn't that kind of cool? He was days, just days old. And I sang it to him. And he knows it's grandpa's song. What are you inculcating? Teaching your kids. And as you have the opportunity and the privilege to have grandkids, what is it that you're going to inculcate into them? What do you want them to really know? I want them to know the word of God, and I want them to love God with all their heart, with all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. I want them to have the privilege. I want them to have the privilege of not having the trash in their brain that I've had to deal with. Do you get that? I wish I would have known Christ, that I would have known God at an early age rather than get to know him as an adult when I already had all the trash in my brain that I still fight to this day. Let's move on. It's a matter of heritage. But the promises, the promises that come with it. This is exciting. You know, if there were only commands 
that's one thing, and that would be good by itself. But, you know, God gives us these fabulous promises that go along with these commands. It's not just do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But if you do this, this is what will happen. There's promises that go along with this stuff. This is cool stuff. So, the promises. The dividends of being dedicated to investing in wisdom. Well, the first part of that is that there's dedication required. If you want, say I'm going to use a secular illustration, but if you want to, to earn, quote-unquote, riches from the stock market, you have to do what? you got to put money on it. you got to invest in the stock market. You know, I mean, you could load, download the Fidelity app all you want, but it's not going to tell you anything. You're not going to have earned anything because you didn't put any money in any Fidelity accounts. You could do it with any of your other ones. I just happen to be Fidelity, okay? So whatever stock broker you use, whatever. It doesn't matter if you don't put any money in it. If you're not investing in godliness, you're not going to get godly rewards out. And so I shared a few years ago, it was a New Year's Day kind of message, on Bob's... um, how to live a uh, successful or fulfilling Christian life. And it is by the redemption of... uh, I'm going to mess this up now. To the redemption of that which cannot be saved, to invest in the redemption of that which can be saved, by laying all that I am on the altar that he may alter all that I am. You track with that? The redemption of that which cannot be saved, to invest in the redemption of that which can be saved, by laying all that I am on the altar, that he may alter all that I am. If you really want spiritual reward, it's going to take spiritual dedication. You're going to have to invest time. You're going to have to invest effort. You're going to have to invest money. You're going to have to invest everything. Because ultimately, as David, you shared in your testimony, it's the kingdom of God. It's seeing people saved. That really is the ultimate redemption. That's the fruit that will carry on into the kingdom. Dedication required. You're going to need to acquire and adore wisdom. You need to acquire and adore wisdom. You have Verses there that you can look up, Proverbs 16, and I recommend that you do that, Proverbs 16, 16, 17, 16, 18, 15, 23, 23. But these words is, this word acquire here is the word kana, kana, um, which literally means um, to purchase. Uh, many places you can, again, do the, the paint by the numbers through uh, ESORD or Blue Letter Bible or whatever, but you'll see that this is the word that is used like when, when um, Abraham buys the, the field of Machpelah and stuff like that. He purchased it. He got it. He, he, he did something to get it. Does it make sense? It's not just to reach out and take it. That's lechak. We talked about that. So that's the take, receive, okay? But rather, this is the getting, the acquiring. This is the buying it, the purchasing it. You've done something to get it. You've invested something to get this. And then to cherish or adore. This is the word ahav. To love it. You have to love it. I mean, honestly... Fill in the blank. Bob doesn't love, put in a vegetable, green beans. Bob is not going to invest 
and green beans. I'm not getting in all my getting to get green beans. Now, I'll allow my wife to go get the green beans or buy the package of, of the, 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 the seeds that she can sow to make green beans. And so we're having green beans from the garden. I'm so blessed. Anyways, <laughs> that's a joke. But for real, are we having those tonight for dinner? Anyways, on Father's Day. Anyways, so she's not making them. Anyways, she'll make me corn. Um, but the reality is, <laughs> I'm so bland. Um, but what you love, what you love, what you adore, is going to set the priority of what you go get. I mean, if you want it, if you love it, if you adore it, if you desire it, you're going to what? Do whatever it takes to, to get it. So as we move on, you've got to ask yourself, how much do you what? Really want? How much do you love wisdom? We talked about that last week. If you had the opportunity to have wisdom or more wealth, which would you choose? Wisdom or wealth? Do not forget it, he says. Do not forget it. Do not turn away from it. Do not forsake it. These are the things that happen. Once you get it, sometimes you take it for granted, don't you? And we tend to what? Put it on the shelf and forget it. It's kind of like a Bible. I love how many people tell me they got one. I'd rather ask them, how often do you look at it? How often do you use it? Well, I have it on my phone, too. Okay, okay, okay. How often does the app get opened? How long at any one moment? So one of the things with like the prayer pods... Um, videos and with the church videos now everything on YouTube one of the stats that I I can see is not how many times the a video was clicked on but it will also give me the average retention rate that's usually a stat I don't want to read you can have 20,000 clicks and I'm not saying we got 20,000 clicks you have 20,000 clicks but the average let's say it's a 20 minute video and the average is one minute that's not a good stat you know it's like okay so so people have turned it on and said what I don't think so. <laughs> okay? But that's us. We get this. We're excited about it. But then we what? Just set it aside. And we put it there. Do not turn away from it. Do not what? Forsake it. Forsaking it means choosing something else in its place. Second one. In verse 8, you need to exalt and embrace wisdom. Exalt her and she will what? She'll promote you. Exalt wisdom, and she will promote you. She will honor you when you embrace her. Exalt and embrace wisdom. You need to exalt and embrace wisdom, okay? And so the promise there then is she will promote you. She will honor you. That's kind of an exciting thing. Thirdly, you need to hear and receive wisdom. Verse 10, hear my son and Receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. So hear and receive the wisdom that is being taught. Finally, you need to grab and guard wisdom. Down in verse 13, take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. This is kind of a fun word there when it says take firm hold of. Literally, I mean, I got grabbed there because that's what it is. This is the angels when they came to um, Sodom, right? And, and they go to the, the Lot's house because Lot says, come up here, right? And so, so after the, the, the men come to, and they, they, 
want Lot to come out, or they want the angels to come out, yada, 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 and they, they blind them and everything, and so the angels now grab Lot and his wife and his two daughters, and they have to what? Drag them out of the city. But how did I say, what did they do first? They what? They grabbed him. Literally, that's what the word was. They had to grab them, take firm hold of them, because Lot and his wife are doing what? They're one that's go back. Okay? Now, I don't want to pick on them as far as going back. I mean, you understand, this is just a little, little aside, and I feel like i got to add it here, because some people miss this part of it. Do you realize that Lot's wife wasn't turning back to the malls of, of Sodom? That's how it's always preached. They had grandkids. You read the passage. That's why Abraham brings God down to ten. And when you read about the conversation that the angels have with Lot, he had other children and potentially grandchildren there in the city. They weren't looking back at the world. They were looking back as they had kids who were dying in Sodom. So your moms get that, right? When you're heading out to the mountains and all of a sudden you hear the what? Hellfire and brimstone coming down upon that city. You realize what? It's your kids and your grandkids that are being destroyed back there because they, remember, they thought Lot was what? Crazy. Lot went out to his sons-in-laws and his sons-in-laws thought he was crazy. So to grab, to grab is the idea. You've got to grab it. Take firm hold of it because I promise you there's a war that's out there and you wrestle not against flesh and blood, Right? And it's, I like into a football game. In, in the spiritual opposition is, I'm, I've got the ball and I'm running with it, right? And what's the spiritual opposition continually trying to do? Punch it out. Punch it out. I'm losing the game. You know, they're, they're going to punch it out, right? They're going to try to punch that ball out, make me fumble it. Okay. They're trying to punch it out. I mean, that's at least what, what I've seen that they train them to do now. So grab it and then guard it. Guard it. If you do those things, then there's going to be dividends that are returned. There's going to be verse 6 and verse 9, the preservation of your life. Verse 9, she will place on your head an ornament of grace. Again, the word grace is, is, um, is the word for favor. A crown of glory she will deliver to you up at verse six do not forsake her and she will preserve you love her and she will keep you she will bring you the preservation the shema and shamar and the nazar of your life she will she will keep you throughout all that so the idea there is the 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 shamar in verse six preserve you and nazar deliver you in verse nine that she will preserve you and deliver you Okay. Secondly, she will promote you. Verse 8 and verse 9, we looked at this a little bit ago. Exalt her and she will promote you. She's going to lift you up. She's going to exalt you. Now, how does that play out? How does that play out that you get exalted if you exalt her? Think that through. If you exalt wisdom, then she will promote you. How does that look? Say again. She'll make your path straight, but you're promoted. 
Do you think that means nothing? Think about this in the world. Does the world still want wise people to lead them? Yeah, they do. They really do. When they look at people who have wisdom, they're really awed by it. Because you go counterculture to them. And they don't understand, how could you have so much wisdom? It's because you what? You exalt her, and you're what? Acquiring, you're seeking her, and you're getting her, and all you need to do is do it. And then once she does it, she'll promote you. The second thing in this is really kind of fun, where it says as well, she's going to give you a crown of what? Glory, she'll deliver to you. I've got some verses, you can write them down, I don't think I have them on your sermon note sheet. Proverbs 16, 31, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25, 2nd, slow down, Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 31, 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4, 1 Corinthians 9, 25, 2 Timothy 4, Verse 8, James 1, 12, Revelation 2, verse 10, and then chapter 3, verse 11. All talk about crowns which we receive from God. One of those crowns is a what? Is my gray hair. Now, if you live long enough to get it, it's a what? It's a crown. People, you know, want to look at it differently, but I lived long enough to what? To get it. Make sense? There are people who don't live long enough to get it. It's a crown. Okay? So, she'll promote you. Thirdly, the protraction of your days. You say, what does that mean? It's not just the preservation of your life, but literally, we are told that we'll have longer life. Look at verse 10. Hear my son and receive my sayings, in the years of your life will be what? Many. Verse 13. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. The reality is that if you take wisdom and, and you follow after wisdom, there's a promise that you will have a longer life. It's an exciting thing. And then finally, the protection of your steps, which we saw earlier but here as well in verse 12, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Does that sound like another verse to anybody? When you, when you walk, your steps will be not hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Good, Isaiah 40. Let's go there. Isaiah 40. Isaiah chapter 40, down at the very end of the chapter, beginning verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, Yahweh, the creator of the heavens and the earth? That's a good one, Gerald, for those who have witnesses too definition of who Yahweh is, right? Okay, he's the, he's the creator of heavens and the earth, and he's the everlasting God. Okay, There's no, no, uh, no debate on who it is. He neither faints 
nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall be faint and weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on Yahweh shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I love the passage. Because even young men will what? They'll fall. They're, they're going to get weary. They're going to fall. Nobody has enough strength to entirely stand on their own. However, if you wait on Yahweh, if you serve him, if you love him, then what will happen? You'll run and not get weary. You'll walk and not faint. You'll run and not get weary. I may have said this backwards, but you get what I'm saying, right? And so the same thing happens here in verse 12 in Proverbs 4. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. So when I stumble, when I stumble, not if, but when, what do I know? Come on. You know the answer. When I stumble, you can blame me because it doesn't happen to you. So you can blame Bob. So when Bob stumbles, what do we know? Bob didn't follow wisdom. That's, it's, it's, it's pure and simple. Bob didn't follow the counsel of God. Bob didn't follow the discretion and prudence that God had placed out there. Bob was wise in his own eyes. I, look, there is no temptation or troublesome situation that has overtaken me, but such as what? Common to man. Women don't have to deal with it. So, <laughs> it's common. I, I get it. Like, I can say this, and I can look at you straight in the eye, although it's very nervous for me to look at people in the eye. Still, after so many years of pastoring, I just, I'm not a public speaker. And so that's why I look up there, I look down here, because I just don't like looking at people. Anyways, but the reality is, I get it. I am a stinking sinner. And I'm struggling in my flesh. And I'm looking for the consummation in the time that Jesus comes. And, and my perfection will be made whole in him. And I know every single one of you struggle in the same way. Because if you're perfect, you're not, you're not here. Do you get it? So when you stumble, not if, when you stumble, get yourself to the point where you can finally admit it. It's because I chose not to follow wisdom. I rejected God's counsel. Now, maybe that you didn't know God's counsel at that moment. But why? Because you rejected God's counsel to read his word. Go back to Deuteronomy 17. You don't need to go back there right now, but in your mind, go back to Deuteronomy 17. Remember the, the commands for the king. What were the, what were the, blah, 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 the commands for the king? What was the king supposed to do? He's not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that, not supposed to do that. So the three don't multiplies. Okay? Beyond that, there were two more. What was he supposed to do? Ah, he was supposed to write a copy of the law for himself. Okay? So don't delegate this. Do it yourself. If you've never done something like this, I encourage you to do it. I've already rewritten Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, and Mark. It's a challenge. 
Okay? Okay? It's a challenge. I haven't been like the scribes, though. If I missed something, I just scribbled it out and wrote it again. <laughs> if you understand the scribes, that was an important thing. If they got to the end and their letters were off by one, the whole paper got burnt up and ripped, and they started all over again. Yeah, that he's writing it right. Yeah, exactly right. Well, this is what I wrote. Sorry. <laughs> but he's supposed to write it, okay? Then what was he supposed to do? He was supposed to read it when? All the days of his life. All the days of his life. I was busy. I was just busy. Do you know how easy it is to get busy? No, I know that doesn't happen to you guys either. So, in one, missing one day turns into what? Two days, and then all of a sudden it turns into three days, and you realize four months later that what? You got into a new habit of doing something other than that. I am a pattern person, and I understand some of you are not. That's because you're not saved yet. So, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> But I, I, I have got to keep my pattern. It's morning. My, I have my quiet time first. But even having my quiet time first throws my pattern off. I mean, I get up. I get in the shower. You know, I go out and I put the coffee on and I sit down and I have my quiet time. And then I'm, I can have whatever time I want. And I go get coffee whenever I want. I don't have to have the coffee immediately. But I just know that Marsha's going to want coffee immediately when she wakes up. And so I can take her a cup of coffee and yada, yada, yada. She's patterned. She, that's her pattern. You learn your wife's patterns, right? And so, but I've got to do that because if something disrupts my pattern, what happens? It's gone. The moment is, it's gone. Isn't it amazing how the world has a way of getting other things to take the place of God? I have got to be going all the way back Solomon got it from David. David got it from the Word, right? I've got to be in his Word every single day. Doing what? What's the purpose? Think of this message. What's the purpose of being in the Word every single day? Say again, Gil. To get wisdom and discernment. In all my getting, to get understanding. I've I got to acquire it. I, I've, got, I've got to invest in it. That's the whole point. So when Paul, so we're in the midst of this seven-year teaching through the entirety of the Bible. I think we're in year eight or nine now, right? So um, we started all this from Acts 20. I don't know if you, some of you probably weren't even here. Anyways, in Acts 20, when Paul said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. People always want to know, where do you think I should start reading? Whenever you pick up any book, where do you start reading? Duh. I just, I just pick it up in the middle of the book and I just open it up and say, ah, let me see what I can read today. No, it's not how you read a book. You start it in the beginning. You start in the end. I want to read Revelation. I want to read those last couple pages so I know how the book ends before I start it. Do I really want to read this book or not? Anyways, started in the, in the beginning. God created heavens and the earth. It's a good starting point. I really is, you know? It defines who God is and what he did. And then just read. 
by God's grace, read, knowing that he placed everything in there for you. And that in every one of those places, you can gain wisdom. Where do you think the wisdom is that comes right from the, right, right, the very first one, chapter one, first book? So one, one, one. That would be Genesis one, one. What's the wisdom? Trinity? Well, not necessarily the Trinity. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. It doesn't really say anything about the Trinity. But what's the wisdom? God's the creator. This is a no-brainer. This is the foundation of everything else that's out there. So when the world starts telling you evolution, what do you think they're doing? They're eroding the foundation of all wisdom. <laughs> get it? Anyways, got to let it go. You get it, though. If you haven't got a pattern doing it, do it. So, Dad, how would your instruction to your children be summarized? What is the principal thing of your teaching? Is it? In all you're getting, get understanding. Search after wisdom. Kids, how would your obedience to your parents be summarized? Would you be seen as someone pursuing wisdom? Or would you be like Rechaboam, say, well, yeah, 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 I hear what you say, but I know what you've done, and so I'm going to follow your pattern rather than your words. Okay? I don't want my kids, and my kids probably will tell you that. I've, I've probably told them at different points. I don't want them necessarily following my patterns. I mean, I recognize patterns that have been built into me from the earlier days, and I'm not justifying them. I just I don't want them to follow after some of the, the simple patterns of my life. For each of us, how committed are you to getting wisdom? Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness, your truthfulness, your committedness to us. Lord, you didn't have to give us your word. You didn't have to redeem us. You didn't have to adopt us and to, to give us the privilege of being called by your name. But you did it. Oh, Father, forgive me. Forgive us for not delighting in you as we ought. Lord, forgive us for taking you for granted. Lord, forgive us for taking your word for granted. Lord, help us to have the desire to want to spend time in your presence every day. To spend time in your word every day. To hear your teaching. To hear your instruction. To hear your wisdom. Lord, that it would be inculcated into our brains. Lord, that we would live it out. That it would be as it was the frontlet between our eyes. That it would guide and it would uh, be a, this, uh, a sieve over everything we hear and see, Lord. And Lord, I pray for the dads specifically and grandfathers. Lord, that you would help us to be faithful, to teach your truth, to teach your word. Lord, that your wisdom, your understanding, your prudence, your discretion would be what we want to instill in the lives of our children. That you might be glorified in their lives, in the lives of their children, in the lives of their children, in the lives of their children. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.